Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Amen, amen, amen. Well, church, you may grab your seats and grab your Bibles. We're going to be on Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. Isaiah chapter 9. We're continuing our series. This is Jesus. And during this Christmas season, we're focusing on who Jesus is, and we're looking at different names and titles of Jesus to remind us of what we're celebrating this Christmas season and to remind us of the joy and the hope that we truly have. And it's not in our things, not our possessions, not not in our surroundings. It's in Jesus alone. And so our prayer from this church is that it encourages our hearts and our minds and stirs us with the affections that only Christ deserves. And so with that, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9. If you're taking notes, you can title this sermon, Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace. And I don't know about you, but I could use a little more peace in my life. Even this Christmas season seems to stir up just the opposite of peace, right? Busyness, maybe some anxiety. What gifts do I get? What gifts do I don't? Who do I buy gifts for? They gave me a gift. Do I reciprocate? Like these different things. good reminder that we have peace. And when we think of peace, what do you think about? I know way back in the, the 1900s when I grew up, right, peace was more superficial. You know, like in the area of the era of Gulf War, there was a frequent motto, peace in the Middle East. That's what we're pursuing, right? Peace in the Middle East. There's a frequent joke about the Miss America pageants, the solution to all society's problems is world peace, Right? And so I think just the superficial piece we think about is just the absence of conflict. But I'd suggest that we're going to see this morning that peace is more than that. And we know we need peace. We need peace in our community, our culture, and our country. It was no different than this time when Isaiah was written, Isaiah 9 was written. About 700 years before the birth of Jesus, they needed a lot of peace then as well. There was definitely an absence of peace and there a continual presence of conflict. And what God had done, he had removed his presence and protections from his people because of the rebellion against the Lord, following their own desires, their own ways. Isaiah 53, verse 6, was true then and is true today. It says, we all went astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way. And therein lies the problem. And we see that peace is connected directly with God's presence. And the absence of peace is also connected to God's presence. Peace is all around the presence of God or the absence of his presence in your life. It's interesting, when hard things start happening, so many times we can be so quick to blame God. God, why did you do this? Why did you let this happen? Why are you doing those things? And the truth in is, like with the lives of the Israelites in Isaiah's day, oftentimes for us, we're experiencing conflict, calamities, and catastrophes due to our own choices, if we're honest. I know we don't like to hear that. We like to blame it on spiritual warfare, which is definitely a thing, right? We know that. We like to blame the devil, for sure, real. And there are spiritual attacks. But oftentimes, we're just following our own choices, choosing our own way. And then we're wondering, why are we stuck in these consequences? 
Well, we've strayed away from what God would have us to do. Again, Isaiah 53 says we've all turned to our own way. So we wonder, why is our money a mess? Why do we experience relational or relationship stress? Are things happening around you and to you as a result of the things that you chose to do? I mean, think about that. Let's think, If we're really honest, and again, we say this, we know that church is no place for honesty, right? We know that. But if we're honest, so many things that we are suffering from often comes from our own desires, our own choices, the things that we chose to do apart from God's ways, we chose our own ways. And we see the presence of the absence of peace is directly connected to God's presence or absence in our lives. I mean, first, if you don't have a relationship with God, we need to know that he's going to let you do what you desire. And that's scary. Because our desires are dangerous. Romans one twenty four says, Therefore God delivered them over to the desires of their hearts. That's not a good place to be, especially when the Scripture talks about directly that our heart is wicked. But if you do have a relationship with God, He oftentimes disciplines as a loving Father. So you may be going through some things because of your own conduct, whether God's letting you have what you desire because you have no relationship with him, or he's disciplining you to create something that's actually good for you. Proverbs 3.12 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. And I think about my own kids. I learned so much about what, how the Lord interacts with us as to how I interact with my kids. I discipline my kids because I actually love them. Sometimes I have to take things away because I actually care for them. My two-year-old was running around with scissors yesterday. We were wrapping presents. I don't say, run faster, Lottie. I don't say that, right? Too slow. No, sharp side up. I don't say those things. No, I take them. Now, was she happy? No. She was mad. That day took her scissors. How dare I? How unloving, but just the opposite. It doesn't seem enjoyable at the time when God disciplines those whom he loves. So Hebrews 12, verse 11 says, no, one, or no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So there's good news. Like if we are left to our own devices or God's disciplining us, he's, there's always good news that he's always provided a path back, the path of peace since the beginning of creation when peace was lost or stolen. I like 2 Chronicles 7.14 because I think it really summarizes well what the entire Bible speaks to as this relationship that we have with the Lord and how we get back to the peace that we desire to have with Him. It's really a pretty step-filled process. Number one, he says, humble yourselves. That's interesting because if we're honest, we can really drift towards a pridefulness. And pridefulness is, is sneaky. So he says, humble yourselves. Then he says, pray and seek my face. Turn from your evil ways. And he says this, and he says, then, right? Humble yourselves, pray and seek my face. Turn from your evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven. Forgive their sin and heal their land. And this is say we have to humble ourselves before the Lord, realizing we've fallen short, that we have sinned, 
and confess and repent. This is turn from what we were doing to the Lord. Turning from, turning to. And he says, then I will forgive. And the encouragement here is that God would not and does not leave his people helpless in their hopelessness. Since creation in Isaiah 9, today, he has done and is doing something. He does not leave us helpless in our hopelessness. Isaiah 9 points to a promise of a coming person of peace. They're one man who will bring salvation from their situation, which brings us to Isaiah 9. And we're looking at verse 2 in the following verses. It says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of the darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at the time of harvest, and they rejoice when dividing spoils, also known as paycheck, right? Rejoicing over when I get paid. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod of their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloody garments of war will be burned up as fuel for the fire. And this is interesting because he points back to what God's done in the past for his people. There's something there that we need to remember. Remembering God's faithfulness prepares us for God's future promises. And his faithfulness endures. In Judges 7, we see this day of Midian. How God's people were facing an impossible opposition. Yet God would provide their salvation in an unlikely way through an unlikely person named Gideon specifically. And this is key, key Bible principle. This is free. Write it down. This is good. When you see someone just amazing like Gideon or David who defeats the giant Goliath, this is not to indicate how awesome we can be. This is showing Amazing how awesome God is. These are pointing towards God's goodness and God's power and God's grace. And so he puts himself all throughout the story for his glory. In our lives today, in their lives then, he equips, he calls, he provides. He's the one that acts, moves, and rescues. And that's what we see in Judges 7. And so here, he's pointing towards another rescuer in Isaiah 9. A coming one who would be the rescuer of his people. And you got to think, like, who would they be looking for? What would this person look like? Now, I was thinking about this when 1 Samuel, God set his people up for God alone to be king. But his people would look around the surrounding nations and see they had earthly kings, earthly leaders, and they wanted to be like them. Like, we can't resonate with that at all, right? They want to be like people around them. And so they said, we want a king for themselves. They said, God allowed that to happen. That was their plans, not his, but he allowed it. And so who they look for? God sent a man named Saul. And they liked Saul because 1 Samuel 9, 7 says, Saul was an oppressive young man who was head taller than everyone else around him. So looking back at this, I wonder if this is the type of person they'd be looking for again. This tall, dark, and handsome, strong man who's going to lead the nation and overthrow the governments that they're being oppressed by. But who would God send? Was it our Saul-like type of man? 
Who ended up being very bad for the nation, by the way? Isaiah 9.6 says, For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And just take a moment here. And have you ever noticed that God rarely does things the way we think he should or in the time frame that we wish he would? Is that just me? Like, he's not on my time frame. I wish he was because mine's pretty good. My plans are pretty solid, I have to admit. So when you come to this promise, it would not be realized until about 700 years later when the Prince of Peace would come. This is Jesus. All these things are pointing towards what Jesus would fulfill, who he would be. Think about Wonderful Counselor. We see this name given to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. But in Luke 4, we see Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning completely filled. We see the Holy Spirit would be sent through Jesus, Jesus says in John 14, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you things and teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. So we see this wonderful Counselor that would come by way through Jesus. We see mighty God. So there's no secret. I've said this probably. This is my third week in a row probably. I like football. This is football season. It's bowl season. I get excited about football. Even FCS football, if you don't know it, it's Okay. The football championship series are in the semifinals this past week, this past Saturday. Why that matters to you, it probably doesn't, but North Dakota State was playing the incarnate word. Do you know that was a team? The incarnate word. And I thought it was humorous because it was like saying North Dakota State was, pl- was playing against Jesus, Jesus. That's all I was thinking. Oh, here comes Jesus, Jesus coming down the field. This is awesome. Because Jesus is the incarnate, God incarnate. And Jesus is the Word, and this is what John 1 says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we see the wonderful Counselor, we see mighty God, we see eternal Father. And this gets a little dicey because we think, well, you have the Trinity. This isn't an attack against the Trinity, this is its unity in one God. Jesus says in John 10.30, I and the Father are one. In John 14, 6 and 7, where we get the name The Way Church, in case you were wondering, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Then he says this, if you know me, you also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. In many ways, we see Jesus acting like a father to his disciples in a similar way as Apostle Paul did to other Christians, specifically in Galatians 4. He calls the church in Galatia, my children. He calls Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 2, my true son in the faith. And so we see Jesus really having that fatherly role, but also the equality with the father. Charles Spurgeon says, there is no unfathering Christ and there is no unchilding us. He is the everlasting father to those who trust in him. This is so encouraging because those who are his will never cease to stop being his. But then you see the title, the Prince of Peace. Again, 
my experience back in the 1900s, there was two famous princes, right? One, West Philadelphia, where he was born and raised in the playground where he spent most of his days. Just trying to see. Just trying to see who we got here. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, for those who haven't just totally lost at that. It's, it's probably the first and last time I'll ever try any kind of rapping in worship. The other prince taught us about purple rain. Okay? Anybody? Yep, got a couple. Shame on you. Anyway, this prince of peace is different than all that, right? But when we think about prince, we may have different things in our mind. This prince was more of a government official who would bring, delegate peace. And this peace isn't what we talked about, just the absence of conflict. This is a perfect peace. The shalom is the word. But what's interesting, we see that sin stole the shalom that was once enjoyed. That's why we are searching for peace the way we are. It started with the, within the garden. See, as soon as the shalom was stolen, peace with God was broken and peace with others was broken. Right off the bat, Genesis 3, after the sin, after the temptation, right? God comes and what happened? It's not that he didn't know. It's like a good dad, like, I want you to know that I know, but I want you to tell me. And Adam immediately blamed the woman. This woman you gave me, right? Husbands, this is marital advice. Don't do that. It's just not good. Not going to end well. Blamed Eve. Then Eve blamed the serpent. Right? And so you see already sin entered and immediately relationships were fractured. By Genesis 4, we see Cain killing Abel out of envy. By Genesis 6, if you don't think one sin has consequences, by Genesis 6, human wickedness was widespread on the earth and it says that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. Every sin has a consequence. The Lord wants to see that two pursuits that will never end in the presence of peace. This is the perfect shalom. One, pursuing personal pleasure is at war with the presence of peace. Here's what I mean. This, this is one verse, two verses, that influences every relationship that you will ever have. Right here. James 4, 1 and 2. Go and write that down. I'll wait. James 4, 1 and 2. I don't see all writing. James 4, 1 and 2 says, what is the source of wars and fights among you? Have you ever wondered, why, why am I at odds with everybody around me? Why is my marriage isn't quite where I want it to be? Why am I at odds with my kids or my parents and co-workers? It says, don't they come from the passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. So again, let me break that down for us. If we're honest, there's a remnant of every conflict, disagreement, Dysfunction in your relationships that you have is an element of you desired something and didn't get it. Why do I get frustrated with my kids? Because I'm desiring something I'm not getting, right? Why is there fracturing in my relationship with Rachel? Because I'm in there. Let's just be honest. I desire something I don't get. Coworkers, I'm desiring the respect I didn't get that they owed me. Like, think about how this plays out. At a very foundational level, we are mad at others. Arguments happen because we didn't get what we want. And there's some guardrails here. Maybe things happen when you're hungry, tired, right? For me, I get hangry. It's a guardrail for me. 
Snickers. So this pursuit of personal pleasure is at war with the presence of peace because we desire and don't have. And number two, personal or pursuing personal peace outside of the prince of peace will never facilitate the peace that we're created to have. It's interesting, back in the 1950s, this is the origination of the sign that we know as the peace sign, you know, the circle with the bars. It came in protest against nuclear armament. And so it's interesting, this design that someone came up with is the vertical line. It's a military signaling device that people used to do with flags. So people a long ways away could see it and know what letter it means. And so one the upright one is the upright flag, and then a guy standing with two out, outstretched arms downward, indicating N-D for nuclear disarmament. So we're pursuing peace, which are good things, but we're pursuing the absence of conflict. And so we have this peace sign, we have the hand sign of peace, which many think originated with Winston Churchill when he gave the sign for V for victory. And what's interesting is that both these signs became really prevalent in our culture back in the 60s into the 70s when the anti-war protests really broke out. Why I mention that is that while so many people were pursuing harmony with humanity, the Prince of Peace broke in and true peace broke out that we now know as the Jesus movement. This is the origins of the Jesus movement. Anybody that likes contemporary music, that origins in the Jesus movement. Like, lives were changed through this Jesus movement, this real revival in our country that broke out. So we see the promised person of Isaiah 9-6 is this Jesus, who would be the Savior of Shalom and the Prince of Peace. And Jesus being the Prince of Peace, when he entered the world, as Isaiah 9-6 says, as a child, there was truly an absence of peace in the culture and a very real presence of conflict. You see, the Roman rule was across the land through occupation and oppression. And then when King Herod heard about this Christ, Messiah, being born by way of the wise men, what do you do? Do you remember? Do you throw a celebration and a big parade? No. He started massacring Boys, two years old and under, in and around Bethlehem. And I think we see that, but we don't really realize the gravity of what's happening here. Massacring, searching for boys two years old and under because there was a threat to his throne because of this coming king that was promised. So in the midst of this craziness, when hopelessness felt the heaviness, and the darkness felt like the darkness made the darkest God stepped into the mess. I was reminded yesterday, that for so many, Christmas season can elevate the feeling of loss and loneliness. Many of us went down to Richmond yesterday and came alongside Courage to Care Outreach and just provided a Christmas meal for a lot of the homeless and the neglected down in inner Richmond. I was just reminded that so many people, this time of giving and family is a reminder of what we don't have. Immediately after that, we went to lunch, me and my older kiddos, and we stopped at Wendy's because it's good. I talked to the guy at the cash register, you know, casual chit-chat. How's it going? Terrible. 
I'll take it back. I wasn't ready, but wasn't ready for that. Terrible. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what's not terrible. And so we just started explaining, like, the Christmas season, talking to have a good conversation of this young man, 20-year-old, who was feeling lonely. And think about the loss, who newly came, came to this area, and told him about Jesus, and enjoy this in Jesus, and there's a church family here that would love to welcome him. There's hurting people during this time that this season elevates versus what this season is really designed to do. It's a focus on what God did and how much God loves. And no matter how lonely or how much loss that you have, you have the greatest thing. And that is in Christ Jesus that's available to anyone. My favorite Christmas verse, in case you were asking, I know you were, John 3.16. For God so loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish and has eternal life. Why do we exchange gifts? Because God first gave out of love. He gave Jesus. So this is the hope that we have. And this is what we need to be reminded of, that God so loves us that he hasn't forsaken us, he hasn't given up on us, but he's given us every reason to trust in him because of his great love for each and every one. And Jesus never promised that peace would be easy or even come easily. But he did promise that it would be available to all. His availability would be peace. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives, so don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. And so is there an absence of peace in your life this morning? Instead of the presence of peace, do you feel a very real presence of anxiety, fear, worry, stress? When these problems become personally present, let them be check engine lights for you. Check engine lights that your relationship with God isn't running right. Something's off when these things start manifesting themselves in you. When peace flees and stress comes and worry comes and anxiety comes and fear comes, something isn't right in our relationship with the Lord. And first and primary, we have to go back to where our relationship with Jesus is. It doesn't mean necessarily you don't have one. It could mean you've strayed and started focusing on these other things. Or in a very real way, it could mean that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And number one, what I want us to see is that through Jesus, our Prince of Peace, He brings us peace with God. This is where peace needs to start. It's not a pursuit of harmony with humanity. Those things are good, but it doesn't need to start there, and it can't start there. It has to start with your relationship with God the one that you were created to have. In this, we're reminded that we've all sinned. We all have some good folks. But we've all sinned. And we see in Isaiah 59 that sin separates us from God. And Romans 5 tells us that we're not just people who sin sometimes. We're people who are sinners all the time, meaning that is our nature. It's even deeper than we realize. We think we just do bad things sometimes. Good people that do bad things. No, that's in our nature. It's who we are. We're sinners in our core, which makes us enemies against God, rebels who need to be reconciled. I know this doesn't sound encouraging, but we need to see what bad is so we can see the good. The yesterday, when I was talking to the guy at McDonald's, McDonald's, Wendy's, 
talking about it's a bad day. He goes, oh, I'm, out. I'm so sorry you're having a bad day. He goes, oh, it's good. Because you need the bad days to see the good days. That'll preach. The gospel isn't good news because there's only good news. The gospel is good news because there's terrible news, which makes the good news good. But God did something about it. This is the beauty of Romans 5, 8. That God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 4 tells us that anyone, anywhere can be made right with God through Jesus alone, by faith alone, which leads us to Romans 5, 1. It says, therefore, because of this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. So if you're not experiencing peace in your life, I would start with Jesus. If your relationship with Jesus isn't right, you will not have the peace that you were created to have, and you will be always searching for perfect peace. Secondly, we see that through Jesus, our Prince of Peace, we are given the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, who gives peace. So I wonder if we're leaning more on the Holy Spirit if we are experiencing an absence of peace. Because the Holy Spirit produces peace. Galatians 5 says, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. We like to pass over that one, right? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's the fruit. So what does apple trees produce? They produce what really one person knows is apples. It produces Apples, orange trees, watermelon trees. See, just seeing if you guys are listening. There's no watermelon trees. Shame on you. See, that's why nobody talks up in church. They don't want to be that person. The fruit. And so if there's an absence of peace in your life, maybe the Holy Spirit isn't present in your life, or you are competing for control against the Holy Spirit. He brings peace. We also see, thirdly, that through Jesus, who are the Prince of Peace, we have peace in the midst of our problems. There's a tough one. You going through some stuff? Do you have peace even when you don't know how it's going to turn out? Even when things are happening that you don't want? Philippians 4 speaks right into this. Verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. That's a lot of stuff. You got anything happening in your life? Don't worry about it. But it's not like a don't worry, be happy, right? This is a don't worry because who God is. It says, but in everything, that's a lot of stuff, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Then it says, verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And throughout Scripture, when you see the heart and the mind, it's thinking that's connected. The peace that surpasses all understanding means you won't get it. But you know it, and you feel it, and you experience it. When you turn to the Lord in the midst of your struggle, saying, God, I don't know it, but I know you, and I trust you through all this. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. So I wonder if you have peace in your mind and heart. You know, there's this phrase, and I've, I've talked to someone earlier this week, just give it to God, right? Isn't it like a churchy thing? Like going through some stuff, just give it to God. What does that even mean? Well, I have an answer. 
Because I think we say these things, but we don't teach people how to do this. It's reminding yourself who God is, despite what you were going through. If I were to give you one verse, Proverbs 3, starting in verse 5. What does it mean to give it over to God? Well, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It starts there. And do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. How do you just give over to God? It's a reminder that you trust the Lord more than your circumstances. You may not have it all figured out, but you know that he is still moving. He's still faithful. He's still gracious. He's still loving. And he cares about you as sons and daughters of his because he's a perfect, loving father. And your situation, your circumstances, and people don't dictate that. This is giving it over to God. It's not a one-time thing. This is a continued battle that you will have in your hearts and your minds. But the peace that God gives will surpass anything that you even understand. Through Jesus, our Prince of Peace, we can also be at peace with others. We can be at peace with others. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying others will be at peace with you. That's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. But you can be peace at peace with others. Listen, we have some, no doubt, family gatherings coming up, yeah? Anybody feel anxious about that? If your family's here, don't raise your hand. I know who you are. But it causes some anxiety, right? Like, what's going to happen? What's weird Uncle Ted going to say? Right? Well, all the strange uncles. Here's the point. Politics, they don't have to be a problem. You don't even need to fight over faith. And there doesn't need to be conflict with a person who brings a fruitcake. And that's you. Don't do it. Leave the fruitcake somewhere else. No. Nobody likes it. No. It's a Christless dessert. In other words, as we go through these things, do these things really matter or not? I'm not saying you shouldn't be concerned at some level, but man, are they causing conflict and disruption and anxiety when you come together as families? Or can you let things go because the peace of Christ surpasses all understanding, even when Uncle Joe acts crazy? In other words, don't let your tinsel get all tangled. Do you know what I mean? You'll catch that later. It's all right. Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, Romans 12, 18, if possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is the presence of the Holy Spirit fuels this. They won't necessarily live at peace with you, but you strive to live at peace with everyone. I want to kind of close with this just second Thessalonians 3:16. Really a prayer for us. Second Thessalonians 3:16. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way the Lord be with you all I love that I pray that's our prayer as we go through this week may the Lord of peace himself give you peace in every way 
The Lord be with you all. And so as we enter into this, this new day, this new week, there's no doubt there's going to be a war for peace in your hearts and your minds. That's where the battleground wages the worst. What do you do with that? Remind yourself that God is still God. He's still good. He's still for you, and he will never forsake you. And as we start preparing for gift giving this coming weekend, we're reminded that peace is a gift from God. Peace is a gift from God that can only be received through Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who is the only path to peace. It's God's gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. This is why Jesus came. For God so loved the world. He loved it in this way that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And I'm wondering if that's you. Do you believe that Jesus came to call you to himself? And despite who we are, natures of sinners, Christ died for us because of his great love that he had for us. And that relationship that you were meant to have, created to have in the first place with God as a loving father can be restored, established by faith alone. Meaning, you recognize that I could not live the life that God called me to live, but Jesus did. He lived the perfect life in my place to die the death that I deserve to die so that I won't have to. And then raised from the dead again, proving payment accepted, satisfied, and can be applied to all who receive by faith Jesus' blood on the cross. Cleanses, washes over sins, but first we have to humble ourselves, pray and seek his face, turn from our own ways, and acknowledge him, and then he will hear from heaven and forgive our sin. And start the relationship that anyone, anywhere can have with him. Despite backgrounds, preferences, you come to him with all the garbage. And he will do a work in your life. And call you home as a son and daughter of his, welcoming you into his family. This is the good news. This is what we're reminded of every week. This is what we need to be reminded of, that this is Jesus. Despite who we are and what we do, he's never too far away from us. So as we respond here in a minute, I'm going to invite the worship band to come back up. And as they come back up, I just want to prepare us just to respond to what the Lord may be doing in our lives in this moment. See, what we're going to do, you guys can come on up. We're just going to pray. I'm going to invite you to do business with the Lord is prompting you to do in your own hearts and minds right now. Maybe you have just an absence of peace and all you feel is worry, stress, anxiety. Man, you're walking with Jesus, but you're just getting pounded by the weight of the world. Maybe this time is a reminder to surrender again. To rest in his peace, not knowing what's going to happen. Not enjoying what you're going through, but knowing it's not wasted within God's sovereignty. And he's working in ways maybe you don't even see or know, but we trust him through it anyway. But maybe you don't even have that relationship with Jesus. I'm telling you, this is where peace starts. It's with peace with God as your father. 
You were created for this. And when you're functioning outside of what you were created for, you will experience nothing but disorder and the absence of peace. So I'm going to pray for us. I invite you to pray with me. And then we're going to respond again. And so for you, maybe as we sing this last song, maybe you just need to sit there and continue to pray and just do business with the Lord. Maybe you need to grab someone else around you. Just pray together. Maybe it is standing and singing praises of God because He is worthy, and that's a response, a good response for our love for the Lord. We also have a prayer team on the side. We'd love to pray for you, pray with you, walk alongside you in this faith journey because God didn't create you to do this faith journey alone. Whatever God's doing, I encourage you to respond. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reminder of your goodness, of your grace, your amazing love, and your presence that's available to anyone who comes to you by faith. We thank you for making a way when there was no way for anyone who would come to you, regardless of what we've done or been through, that anyone at any time can come to you by faith and receive forgiveness and new life in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that you just wash your peace over us this morning. Well, I pray that you send us from this place in the moments to come with just a renewed peace settling over us that is only done by way of your Spirit. Remind us how much we need you. Father, if we've strayed from you, show us those ways that we've strayed and bring us to a heart to ask for forgiveness, repentance, knowing that you are faithful and good and just and you forgive those who come to you and humble themselves. And how good that is, a part of a natural relationship that we enjoy with a loving Father that cares for us. And so, Lord, I pray that you just bring an encouragement, a refreshing, a renewing of our hearts and our minds and our spirits by way of your Holy Spirit. Bring a new sense of identity and comfort that's found in you alone. Father, we thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for whatever we've gone through to remind us how much we need you. We thank you for the the trials, the difficulties, the hardships, whatever's happening, because of reminders that how much we need you. So instead of letting these hardships that happen in our lives push us away, I pray that they draw us near to you because you are so good and you're so faithful. Lord, help us trust in you more than we trust in ourselves. And forgive us when our dependency strays from you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for worship. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. And we just ask you to continue to do more. Father, we pray all this in the name that's above every other name. That is the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.